Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it out. Hmm. Mate, what do I need to win? Two triple twenties and a bullseye. <laughs> Good luck. Mm. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. And I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work. And all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, and so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> if they were curious, they would ask questions. You know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? <laughs> Which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to I was 16 when he passed away. Barbecue sauce. Any Ted Lasso fans at all? Oh my goodness, you guys are missing out. Either you're missing out or I'm, I'm missing out. This, this show is called Ted Lasso. It's on Apple TV. If you haven't watched it, you got to watch it. It's one of the best TV shows that I've seen in the last, probably best like kind of comedy, but there's a lot of meaning to it in at least the last 10 to 15 years. It's just amazing. Uh, it, it's very vulgar, incredibly vulgar. Uh, I've shown video clips from it two times. Last weekend in worship, there was almost an F-bomb in worship. So it just a, a little bit of just a fair warning. You, you heard it here. I don't want you to be surprised, but it's amazing. And the, the main character is Ted Lasso. You saw him there, Jason Sudeikis. It's his, that's the, the person, who, the actor that portrays uh, Ted Lasso. And Ted Lasso is a soccer coach, but in reality, he's a football coach, an American football coach. And he was coaching uh, a college in nowhere, United States. And there is a, a manager of a, a, a soccer team in London that wants to implode the team. She wants to implode the team because she's angry at her uh, soon-to-be ex-husband. And so there are all these things that transpire. And what we come to know is that this Ted Lasso character is just one of the most incredible human beings. And he's incredible because he's honest. And he's incredible because he sees the good in people. And he's incredible because... He sees things through a different lens, and that, that clip that you saw there was uh, Ted Lasso was playing a game of darts against this uh, soon-to-be ex-husband of the manager who wants to be able to do his, things his way, and so Ted Lasso had been playing with his right hand, and he looks really awful at playing darts, and then all of a sudden he says, hey, you can do what you want if you can beat me in a game of darts, and the guy sees how he's playing darts and says, well, that's going to be easy, and then Ted Lasso says, but you weren't curious. Because what you would have asked is you would have seen the fact that I'm not right-handed, I'm left-handed, and then you heard the rest of the story. You say, well, why are you talking about that when we're talking about relationships? Here's the question I want to ask you this evening. 
And here's the thing that I want to talk about as we wrap up this series on, uh, on relationships, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, and what we're going to talk about this evening, whether you feel like you're done or the relationship that you're in is done, is here's the thing I want to just ask you. Are you curious about your feelings? When you're in a relationship, when you're not in a relationship, so you see the, the reality in life, and, and I just want to be able to, to talk very simply. It's not, I'm not going to get up here and I'm not going to give like some beating sermon because I have the answer to all of the questions about relationships. Absolutely not. I'm one blind beggar talking to other blind beggars in search of some really good food. But here are some questions that I have. Here are some observations that I have. So when you think about your feelings, when you think about dating, when you think about potentially the relationship that you're in, whatever the uh, stage of that is, is be curious about your feelings, but don't be judgmental on them. Here's what I mean by this. I've been married to my wife, Bridget, for, uh, for over 12 years. It'll be 13 years in December. And we, uh, we met each other uh, six years prior to when we got married. We met each other. I was teaching English. That's what I did right out of college. She came in my second year of teaching. She came in as an ESL teacher in our school. I noticed her the very first day that she walked in the building. I can honestly tell you that the moment that she walked in the building and I saw her, and I know that this is going to sound sappy and I'm sorry, but I fell in love with her. I just did. And we got to know each other and we became very good friends. Uh, we became very good friends. I wanted it to be more than friends. Uh, but she was in a relationship, and I didn't want to be that guy. And so I respected those boundaries. And I remember telling my mom, which is probably the reason why I was single at the time, but I remember telling my mom, uh, I met the kind of girl that I want to marry. And my mom said, well, why don't you ask her out? And I said, well, she's in a relationship. I'm not going to be that guy. And then it was uh, between the time when I met Bridget and the time that we went on our, our, our first date was, was just over six years. Persistence pays off. Um, and in those six years and in the years before I met Bridget, there was a lot of times in a lot of relationships that I was in. That, that I was in. And I had a lot of relationships that, that, that really they failed. And a lot of times the relationships failed. They, they failed because of something that I brought to the table. Because I would start to feel something and I would make my decisions and I would judge my decision based on that feeling. Let me give you an example. I had this thing in my life that about, you know, maybe, maybe about four to five months into a relationship, I would freak out. And I would freak out because all of a sudden, the way that I felt in that given time wasn't the way that I had felt when I first started dating that person. You ever been in that situation? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh my goodness, like there was once upon a time where everything that this person said, everything that this person did, everything that we did together, it was like, it was magical and it was amazing. And now all of a sudden, I, I find myself in a time where I don't know if I want to hang out with them today. Or I, I, don't, I don't know if I, uh, am I as attracted to them as I once was attracted to them? Or, or are we interested in the same things that we want? It seems like at one point, like, it didn't matter what we did as long as we did it together. And now I'm looking at some of the things that they're into. And I'm like, who are you? And whenever that would happen for me, you want to know what I'd do? I'd hit the eject button. I would, I would end the relationship because I was convinced that my feelings were the things that dictated whether or not this relationship was going to work. And I can tell you on the flip side 
that I'm so glad that the relationships that I had before Bridget and I started dating, I'm so glad that they didn't work out because I can't imagine my life with anybody else. But let me tell you a secret about Bridget and my relationship. We started dating. We went to a Jack Johnson concert. I had an extra ticket. I asked her to go. If you don't know who Jack Johnson is, ask your parents. They might know. Um, went to, I had an extra ticket to a Jack Johnson concert. I said to her, I said, hey, I got an extra ticket. Do you want to go? She said, yes. Uh, she, I was living in Minneapolis at, the same, at that time. She came. She, uh, she, she has a cousin that lives in the area. She was like, I'll go and stay with my cousin Char. She came. We hung out for five days. When she left, I was like, oh my goodness, I never want you to leave my life again. Uh, we started dating, and six weeks later, I asked her to marry me. <laughs> yeah, everyone thought we were nuts. And, and what I realized in that, and, and I told Bridget tonight before I came back to church, I told her I was going to tell this story, because we've told it quite often. But I thank God that I asked her to marry me, and I thank God even more that she said yes but I thank God that there was a commitment there and that commitment there prevented me from hitting the eject button. Because I love her today more than I've ever loved her. Trust me, I do. But if our relationship and our marriage was based on our feelings, it, it wouldn't work. It just wouldn't. We are two unique individuals both of which have been created in the very image and the very likeness of God. And as God's word gives us this incredible invitation that we are spending every single one of our days and doing the best we can that the two of us would become more and more like one. But it doesn't mean that we suspend the reality of who we are as people and so press release we argue at times. And we disagree at times. And she gets sick of me at times. And we have different ideas of parenting at times. And so when you think about relationships and when you think about whether, you're, whether or not you're done, I, I want to give you just this little nugget of scripture about anything. And you heard it in the Bible reading just a few minutes ago, but there's a season to everything. For every activity under heaven, Solomon says, there is a season, there is a time for everything. And it's like that in our lives, and it's like that absolutely in our relationships. Now, I, I, I know that we, we, gotta, uh, we, we gotta address the, the, the thing, because it just doesn't mean that it's like a recipe. Like if you take this ingredient and that ingredient, if you take a little bit of Bridget and you take a little bit of Jeremy and you just kind of put them together, then it's just, all it is is it's just magic and there's no work, absolutely not. So I think the question to start off with is, how do I know if I'm done? How do I know if we're done? The first thing that I need to say is if you are in a relationship that's unsafe, if you're in a relationship with somebody who minimizes you as a person, if you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't allow you to state who you are as a person, I'm, that's different than arguing, that's different than disagreement. If you're in a relationship where your value, where, uh, where, 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 where who you are as a person is being taken from you, you need to be done with that relationship. Because, I, because unfortunately, we see this all the time. And, and, 
and I'm, and I'm going to speak just very candidly to, to the women in the, in the room or online here today. Culturally, this often happens to you. That maybe our culture has said that it's kind of physically what you can bring to the table that kind of somehow makes it accessible to whomever you're with. There's no truth in that. And you're worth way more than that. And so if you're in a relationship where you're being treated in a way that is not loving and is not right, it's time to be done. And if you need help with it, you, you let us know. Whether this is your first time at Revive or whether you've been coming for even longer than Morgan's been coming, this is your family. And families fight for one another. And families walk alongside of one another. But, in addition, but aside from that, most important thing, maybe the question is, is how do I know? How do I know if the relationship that I'm in, how do I know if the person that I'm with, how do I know if this is right? How do I know if this is worth keeping? How do I know if this is, is something that, that, that needs to end? How do I get myself out of the way enough because I am, you might say, the, much the way that I would say, am oftentimes guided and led by my feelings? How do I not let my feelings Get the best of me. The, the first two things you need to know is what are my hopes in life and what are my dreams in life? And, and is that person, not that they're going to be perfect, not that they're going to be perfect, but is that person willing to help you to achieve your hopes and your dreams? I remember one of the things that just absolutely amazed me about this person that I was with, this Bridget, this amazing, she, she had been dating somebody before we, uh, before we were together. <clears throat> he lived 14 miles away from where she was living. And they'd had a question, uh, he had, they'd had a conversation sometime in their, in their relationship, and she told them, she's like, well, if we were ever going to work, you would have to move to her hometown because I would never move. That was 14 miles 14, she was unwilling to move 14 miles. She and I were married. Seven months after we were married, we moved 600 miles from her hometown. And why did we do it? Not because she said, I want to leave my, my family. Not because she said, I want to leave the, the, the home that I love. Not that I want to leave the friends that I love. <laughs> because she knew that there was a dream that I had. that I had this incredible sense of calling that God had placed on my life, which did not mean that the calls that God had placed on her life didn't matter, but for that unique season, for me to follow this call that I felt that God had placed on my life, it would require her to give of something. And that's when I started to realize what, what love truly is. Love from a relational standpoint. Love is not what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do to satisfy my needs? What are you going to do to satisfy my hopes? What are you going to do to make sure that my life is complete? In its truest sense, what love really is, is what can I do for you? You think about it this way. The, the, the purest definition of, of, of love in, in Scripture comes from John chapter 3, verse 16. You, you've probably heard it before. 
Even if you're somebody here, you're like, I don't even know why I'm here on Thursday. Now I have some dude that's talking about ending relations. Ah, this is weird. You probably are familiar with this verse. For God so loved the world. Think about this. For God so loved the world that he didn't make sure that the world satisfied God's needs. Wasn't the way that he did it. For God so loved the world that he put conditions on their behavior. That's not the way that God did it. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him, the purest act of love that the world has ever known and ever will know is the act of a God who loved, who loved so much that he gave every single thing he had away to the ones who were in need. This, to me, in my life, was something that was incredibly demonstrated and I remember when we left her hometown of Roseau, and I remember we had to take both of our cars, and I was in the lead car, and I remember all the way driving from Roseau, Minnesota, which is 10 miles south of Canada, I remember leaving that, and I remember I continually looked in my rearview mirror just to see if she had turned around to go back home. <laughs> like, who would ever do this? And then 10 months after that, we didn't decide to go back, we decided to stay. And I can tell you that the same goes for what I try to do my best to do for her. What are your hopes? What are your dreams? Is the person that you're with willing to partner with you in those things? I mean, sure, most certainly, I hope that, that there is a spark in your relationship, that there is a time where, I mean, I, I, <clears throat> I find my wife, for me, she is somebody that I, I just, I'm, I'm attracted to her. And more than just, I just, I just love her, I love her, I love her, I love her, I love her. But here's the thing, you have to have that. Though it's so incredibly important. But, but that, that's, just a, that's just a part of it. It's one very important part of it, but it's one very just unique, unique part of it. And so yes, you most definitely have to have that, that spark, that chemistry. Again, you don't just put one ingredient and the other ingredient and then magically it works. But it's about two people that are doing the best they can to lift each other up and become one. So in your relationships, I think one of the most important things is that, that love, there's a patience to love. Now again, remember, I'm not saying that if you're in a relationship that's at a dead end that you need to stay, we'll get there. But there's a patience to love. I know in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when Paul says love is patient, that he's talking about it doesn't fly off the handle. But I also believe that there's another way in which we can look at patience, Right? Impatience means that there's uh, an enduring quality to it. And, and, and love, is, love is patient. That it, it, it endures through, through the different seasons. In the good times and in the, the tough times. In, in the times where it feels like it's all sunshines, sunshine and rainbows. And in the times where you're with the person and you're questioning everything you ever thought at, at once upon a time. 
but it's not always going to be this way. And it's just not. Human beings are not static individuals. They, they, they just aren't. We're dynamic. We're changing. God created us in a way that we're always adapting. You, you, you've adapted just today. Just today, you've adapted multiple times. You are not the same person right now that you were when you woke up this morning. You're, you've been shaped. You've been formed. Now, thank God, we have a cornerstone. We have a foundation that comes in Jesus Christ that doesn't get to change us from an eternal perspective, but we're always starting to shift and change and starting to, to morph and to, to, to continue to grow in who we are as individuals. And so when those two people are together, there are times where it's going to be really great and there are times that it's going to be difficult. And so the thing that we always need to remind ourselves is it's not always going to be this way. And, and, and love is patient, and that's incredibly important. But there's also a reality that, that, love, that, that love is kind. So when you're in that place where you realize that the relationship that you're in isn't somebody that would share your hopes and dreams isn't somebody that either is giving to you the way that you deserve to be given to. And here's the thing. Like, you should never be in a relationship where somebody's not willing to go in 100%. There's a relational middle ground in every single, uh, in every single relationship that we're in. Our friendships are this way. Think about the circle of friends that you have. There's a relational middle ground. And there's an ebb and a flow to how that works. And what happens in relationships is when we feel as if somebody's not giving 100%, what do we try to do? We try to make up for it, right? And when that happens, the person who's not going in all the way, they start to feel suffocated. And the person who's going in extra, they start to feel resentful. Why am I the one that always has to do this? Find that person, if it's that person that's willing to, as humanly possible, to give 100%. If that's not the case and you realize that this is something that needs to be done, here's my advice, is love is kind. That it's not, it's not just about you. I, I can tell you personally in, in my own life that I've had relationships where, where somebody ended the relationship with me and it just didn't feel very kind. It, it felt like in some way I was maybe disposable, some way that I, I didn't really matter, some way that I really, uh, because I wasn't the one that was the right person for this person, that I was just able to be treated however this person wanted to treat me. If you're in the place, here's what my encouragement is to you. Be clear. When a relationship ends, it's really easy, right, to start to second guess whether the relationship is over. Or the relationship ends and we see the person that we ended the relationship with some, maybe starting to entertain somebody else and we start to think, oh crap, what did I just do? And I don't know if I want to be with them, but I definitely don't want them to be with somebody else. I mean, you guys are laughing because it happens all the time. And so you dangle the carrot out in front of them again, right? That, that's just not, that's not loving. It's just not kind. Be clear. 
Jesus says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. I'm not saying that there isn't a season where you might get back together with that person. If it's, if it's going to happen and that happens that way, God bless it. But when you're in a place where you know that it's done, for the love of the other person, just let it be done. And also, as a side note, explain to them that it's done. The most difficult conversation that you're ever going to have in your life is the one that you're about to have. So have it. Because the longer you wait on it, the harder the conversation gets. Be clear, be kind, and think of the other person. Think about what this is going to do to them. Dating, relationships, hopefully, it's only a thing that you'll, I, I jokingly always say, it's, only, it's the only game you'll play where you'll only ever win once. I mean, think about it. Think about if you are somebody who's been dating for quite some time, think about how many different people potentially that you've dated in your life. And that's something that you're willingly going into. I don't know why. It's crazy. I think arranged marriages are not loving, but sometimes I wonder if they'd be more help. Like, it's just crazy. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's just, and sometimes it's just awful. But it's only going to work out once. And you have to have this reality that when you go into a relationship, there is a vulnerability, and you need to be vulnerable. So, so think, of, think of the other person. Paul puts it this way in, in Romans chapter 12, and, and I love this. I love it not just about, you know, Paul's not writing like, let me tell some people who are dating how to end relationships, but I think this is just a general guideline that all of us should follow in life. I mean, for real, follow in life. No matter what. Because as I look in our culture right now, there's a lot of people who are talking about Jesus who don't sound like Jesus. And I think we gotta quit. Like if you can't sound like Jesus, don't talk about him, really. Because you're gonna turn a lot of people away. And this is what Paul's getting at. He's telling the early church, he's saying, hey, don't pretend to love other people and not really love them. I mean, Paul says in the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know, the love chapter, he says, if your love is, is not genuine and if you have all these gifts and you're not actually loving, you're nothing more than a clanging gong and a clashing cymbal. You're just making noise. Paul's saying, don't be noisy. Sound beautiful. It's different, right? I mean, Luke, Jacob, and Isaac, I mean, that's music that's beautiful. Like, you could listen to, I could... I could listen to them all day. Like, there's a part of me that wants to say, hey, if I gave you a little bit of money, would you just sit in my living room? Like, just, just sing. Maybe my kids would actually be tolerable if there was good music in our house. Like, that'd be wonderful. But if they were up, together, up with one another and had no care to what the other person was doing, it would just be noise. It would be awful. So what does it take for them to be in relationship and make beautiful music? They have to live in harmony with one another. And what does harmony do? Harmony allows the other person to sound better because of you. 
That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, don't just pretend to love other people. Don't say, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm a loving person. I'm lo-. He says, actually love them. Let your actions, I mean, this is what we were told when we were this little. Let your actions speak louder than your words. That's the secret to how we do this whole relationship thing really well. Love people genuinely. It doesn't mean that your relationships are always going to work out. Remember, it's the only game we're going to play that's going to hopefully only work out once. But it doesn't mean that you can't be loving while you do it. I would imagine that every part of your dating life is going to get better if you start to be loving in, in, in the really good times and the really difficult times. Even if you're the one that has to end it or if somebody is ending it with you. Look, I, I've been on both ends of that hole when a relationship is done. And I can tell you, not because I'm proud of it, that there were times when I went out and I went out blazing everything around me because I wanted to make sure that the person who I felt did me wrong, they were going to go up in flames. That's not kind. Again, if there's something harmful, hurtful that's going on, it just needs to be done, and then kindness kind of goes out the window. But aside from that, to be honest, there's just no other option. There isn't. And yeah, that's for their sake, but even more importantly, it's for your sake. I had this experience, and I can't believe I'm going to tell you this experience right now, uh, that happened to me this week. It was the most awful thing that I could ever imagine. It was uh, on Monday. We were in a, the neighborhood we live in. There was this car that was in the street for like, it felt like a week. And our, for what, our, our kids got scared of it. Fifth grade or fourth grade, they're scared of it. And so my wife, Bridget, said, she's like, hey, you should call, just call the non-emergency number and make sure it's not an abandoned car. Why it would be a, an abandoned car, I had no clue. But I love her. And so she said, you should call, you should just call, just call and check it out. The kids are scared that maybe it was a stolen car that's left there. And I was like, it's not. And she's like, would you just call? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to call. And then she said, would you just call? And I said, no, I'm not going to call. She said, call. I'm like, okay, I'll call. So on Monday, I called, and I, and I called, and I said, hey, I gave my, where my address is, and I said, this is probably the craziest phone call you're going to get. It's not a big deal. There's just a car that's been sitting there for a while, and, uh, and just want to make sure that maybe it's not something that's been abandoned or, or, or stolen or whatever. We've only lived in this neighborhood for like two weeks, so we didn't know the cars around there. And I thought that maybe they would just kind of like maybe run the plates because I gave them what the license plate was. But what happened was the next day on our neighborhood Facebook page, uh, somebody posted deservedly to said, to the, I come in peace, but to the anonymous person who called the police on us and then said all of these things. And then everybody underneath it started commenting about how horrible the person that would ever dare call in somebody on a parked car, how horrible they were. And you would not believe the things that were being said. And I had a decision to make. Do I say something? Or do I stay anonymous? I can tell you what I wanted to do. 
because I was sitting in my office and I did not want to go home because I realized that I had done something unintentionally that had really hurt somebody. And so uh, I Facebook messaged this person that I'd never bef- met before and I said, hey, I am so embarrassed. I'm the anonymous person who did that and, it went, didn't, and I, I, I explained to myself and I expected him to respond with anger, to say, my goodness, it was my car parked legally in the street. What on earth are you doing? And he said, no problem, I'm so sorry. And then I posted on the, the, the community thread. And what was astonishing to me was how when we're just being honest, how good things actually go. I mean, I wanted to crawl into a hole And I thought what saying the truth was going to cost me a whole lot. And it actually ended up giving me more than I've ever could have given. And now this Brian and I have become fast friends. And I apologized to his kids because the police came to his door when his kids were leaving. And a couple of his kids are foster kids who had their parents taken away from them. So that's where the post came from him because his kids were terrified and he had been treated in a way that made his kids all of that stuff. If you're in a situation where you need to tell the truth, just tell the truth. Be honest. It's worth it. Jesus says in John chapter 10 that there's a thief and the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, to lie, and to destroy. But Jesus says, but my purpose is to give you a rich, a satisfying life. As we close this series, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, whether you're done, that's not who you are. Who you are is a child of God. It just is. And I know relationships are hard, and I know there are complexities to it, and I know that there are times that it hurts, and it's difficult, and it's confusing. Trust me, married for 12 years, it still is. But I'm not Bridget's husband. I'm God's child. And no matter how that shakes out, and it's, I'm I'm blessed, man. I'm really blessed. I'm thankful. But my identity isn't rooted in the fact that I'm married. My identity is rooted that I'm a child of God who's loved, who's worthy of his life, of his love. And when we can start here, then it goes a lot better out there. So that's how we're going to wrap up this series. And it's going to be a pretty profound and powerful time that we're going to have with one another. Because we're going to share the smallest meal you'll have all week, and we're going to have it. And in that, you're going to encounter the presence of Jesus Christ. The God that loves loves you, that's the source of all love. As it was in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he gave it for them all to eat. And he said, this is my body, and it's broken for you. Take it, eat it, and do it to remember me. In the same way, after they had eaten, he took a cup of wine. After giving thanks, he gave it for them all to drink. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of your sins. Take it, drink it, and do it to remember me. And so as we get ready to do that, I'll give you instructions here in a minute. Would you, would you pray with me the words of the Lord's Prayer that will be on the screen? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We're going to have two people come up, and they will be on either side of the room. They will have these the little packets. And as you feel led, you can come forward, grab one of those packets. You just uh, slip off the, the top layer is the, the top cellophane or whatever, and you take the, take the wafer, eat it. And then the second part, take the, the grape juice, drink it. And they'll have the words of promise that they'll speak to you. Uh, but this is a holy time where we get to experience God's love. And while we do that, these guys are going to do harmonious music. And they're going to bless us and we'll worship. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Amen. Come and eat. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines. And we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.